All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play podcast. This is our eighth episode, so thank you for tuning in if you have. Uh, we got a lot to go over today with some big news over the past few hours, that past 24, 48 hours here. But before we do that, we'll do our introductions, of course. I'm Eve. And I'm Zach. And let's just dive right into the NFL here. So if you're a Steelers fan, this has been a roller coaster of emotion for throughout the past 48 hours. So we'll start with the thing that happened. We'll start with yesterday being Monday. So Vance McDonald had the Steelers starting tight end has tested positive for the coronavirus. Then later that day, we found out that Ben Roethlisberger injured both of his knees in that win over against Dallas. And the Steelers were cautiously optimistic that he'll play this weekend. And then now we'll move on to earlier today, earlier this morning, being Tuesday. Uh, we found out that Big Ben, along with three other players on the Steelers roster, was placed on the COVID-19 slash reserve list. So obviously we, being Steelers fans, we, we started to panic a little bit. But thankfully, to our knowledge, none of those players have tested positive yet. Uh they still have a good chance of playing this weekend against the Bengals, but they first have to but they have to test negative throughout the next couple of days here. So, Zach, when you found out about all this that happened, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I think I was a little worried at first, but I think the uh the saving grace in all of it was that Ben was put on just as a precaution. I think of the players on the list, you know, it's Ben Jalen Samuels, Vince Williams, and uh, there was one D tackle that was on there. I can't remember the name is escaping me right now. I think it was um, Gerald Hawkins, the offensive tackle. Oh, is it offensive tackle? Sorry, yeah, yeah. that's uh, yeah. yep, he's on there. Um, I think that truly the two biggest losses would be uh, Vince Williams and Ben. Vince has been ridiculously good this year. I mean, he leads the league in tackles for loss. He's you know, he's stopping the run. He's he's playing pretty well in coverage, considering he was never really a coverage linebacker, but. Um, I think that the biggest loss would obviously be Ben. Uh, he's clearly been the MVP of this team. Um, just the way he's he's leading them, the way he's protecting the ball and making smart decisions um, and truly just bringing them out of the depths of basically what looked like a loss the last two weeks. Um, yeah, I think the whole thing for me was relief that it was just out of precaution. Um, but also, I, I mean, I, I know we were kind of like, a little iffy about the Marlon Humphrey thing when he played um, against the Steelers last week. But I don't know. I think that at this point, if a player is saying that he's sick in any way, even if he just has the sniffles or you know, he's got a, a slightly scratchy throat, he needs to be kept away from the team for the rest of the week. I think that that's the way to do it because you never know. I mean, the, the, it's been shown that you can test negative and test positive the next day. So um, you know, that's, that could happen with any of these guys, um, you know, potentially tomorrow because all four guys that were placed on precautionary tested negative today. Um, so they, like you said, they're still on track to play for this week, but yeah, I think the whole thing for me is if you're going to tell us, you know, or tell the team that you're sick, that you, you don't feel good, you need to be kept away until the following week and you're not traveling with the team because one, it's a confined space in a plane Two, it's the locker room and you share a locker right next to somebody else who McDonald was right next to Ben, which is why he's on the list in the first place. But also you're on the sideline with all your teammates. So who could you spread it to? Granted, you're supposed to be wearing a mask, but we know that they don't all wear them the entire time. So 
it certainly is worrisome, but at the same time, it's not as bad as it could be. It could also be a blessing in disguise here, especially for Ben Roethlisberger, who has really taken a beating over the past couple weeks. And with both of his knees being injured, he definitely needs the rest for sure. There's no question that he needs the rest there to come back to his playing form. Not, not, not that he's out of his playing form already, but for, for Steelers fans like us, like we definitely need Ben Roethlisberger healthy. We need to keep him healthy. And him missing this week in practice, uh, for the most part, I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal, really, because this is a guy that's pretty much done it all. I mean, he's he's in his 17th season uh, with the Steelers, or in the NFL, really. And I can remember this one time where Ben Roethlisberger injured his foot back in 2015 against the Raiders, and he didn't practice at all uh, the next week. And the Steelers were playing the Browns, and they started Landry Jones. And then Landry Jones went down and Ben Roethlisberger came in and almost threw for 400 yards and like three touchdowns or whatever. So there's no doubt that Ben Roethlisberger will be ready for Sunday if he clears uh, COVID protocols and tests negative throughout the week. Uh, And the other thing you got to touch up on is, yeah, Vince Williams. He, you said it best. I mean, he's leading the league in tackles for loss along with his teammate, TJ Watt. But he's playing at an unbelievable level. Uh, you know, a- Avery Williamson, I think, would be a good replacement if Vince isn't able to go this weekend. But uh, I have all the confidence that he will be able to go back, that, that he will be able to play this upcoming weekend. And also, I do agree with your point that these players, you know, need to be wearing a mask on the sidelines. I know that most of them aren't. Uh, I think in the San Francisco area, they have to because. Uh, Whenever you watch Sunday Night Football, whenever they're in San Francisco, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, they wear masks while broadcasting the game. So I think, yeah, for sure they have to wear masks on the sidelines. And I also agree with your point that if a player is not feeling well, if he if he has the sniffles, he has a, if he has a sore throat, if he starts coughing a little bit too much, then that player definitely needs to be sent home, uh, contribute vir- virtually like everybody else is going to be doing. And, you know, probably just not play that week. It, it, it would just be in the best interest of the team if that player who was not feeling well just does not play or not show up at all that week. And unfortunately, I don't know if that is going to happen or not, but it, it, it's just something the NFL needs to do. Absolutely. And I think another thing to note is that, you know, Ben missing practice is nothing new. He misses practice two to three days a week just on non-injury related things because he's been around for, like you said, 17 years. He doesn't necessarily need to practice in the same offense he's been in for, you know, his entire career, granted different coordinators, but it's not like he's, you know, in a new situation or a young guy that still need to be learning, needs to be learning. I mean, Ben is as stable as it gets in terms of who he is. You know, he's always been the same guy, so he's not practicing to change his game. You know what you have with him. He's not going to change, and I don't think it's a big worry. So missing practice either way with his knees was going to happen, whether he was on this COVID list or he was just simply on the injured list, and he would have gone into the game with a questionable designation. So um, that's really all that needs to be said about it. Um, we'll move on here to the Saints and the Bucks, a game that we pegged to be a very good game in prime time. Uh, we thought that it would have been it would have been a very close, high scoring game. Well, we uh, 
we were right about high scoring, at least on one side, but not even remotely close on it being a tight game. Uh, the Saints blew out the Bucks 38-3. to um, I personally stopped watching after it was 14-0 uh, very quickly, very early on. Um, and I stopped the- watching right after like 28 nothing. I just stopped paying. I still had the game on, but I just, you know, just stopped paying attention to it. Yeah, I mean, not the best way to, to analyze a game, but um, you, you could really see a lot in that first quarter um, that the Saints were just far and away the better team. I mean, their defense was just shutting down everything that the Buccaneers had that they could get going or try to get going. And, and Breeze had that offense like an oil machine. I mean, it was just every pass that I think I watched was completed. Um, you know, when it flips on the red zone stuff, everything I saw, Breeze was completing a pass. Camara was running for five, six yards. You know, at least the offensive line was moving people around. So <clears throat> my first question would be, who would you blame for the Bucks loss? I'm putting this blame on the uh, Bucks coaching staff. I think you can easily put the blame on Tom Brady because he threw three interceptions, but those some of those interceptions weren't even his fault. I mean, there was one on a screen pass that was tipped, and then it just m- magically landed in the arms of a defensive lineman. So that's not really Brady's fault. That was just at the that was just that guy being there at the right place at the right time. And then there were a few other ones where I think he was targeting Antonio Brown, surprisingly. I mean, we, we all know how that ends up whenever you try to target Antonio Brown. Sometimes, or at least for the most part, it's it's going to get intercepted. But going, going back here to the coaching staff, you, you need a better game plan than what you came out with. The Buccaneers only ran the ball four times that whole game. Four times. Leonard Fournette had like one or two carries, and then... I don't know, it was either Ronald Jones who had the other two carries, but you you run the ball four times, that that that's not going to get it done. And Brady can't, you know, you can't rely on Tom Brady to get the job done the entire time because he definitely looked out of sync with some, with some of his receivers and it, it just didn't look good. I mean, I mean, the offensive line didn't give him any help because Cam Jordan and that Saints defensive line played fantastic and was in Brady's face the entire time. But still, it's like Brady needs to play better, but also some of his receivers need to play better too. I saw a few passes that hit the intended receiver's hands. It hit Gronk dropped an easy first down. Chris Godwin dropped a easy first down. And, you know, Mike Evans was almost a non-factor in that game. So, and then moving on here to the defensive side of the ball, what are you doing playing zone coverage against Drew Brees? I I, I don't understand that because like you're one of the best defenses in the, in the NFL. You basically give no pass rush. I mean, you had like two turnovers, but that, that was about it. So no pass rush. And then you're playing zone against Drew Brees. Who's seen that like a million times in his career. So he's obviously going to pick you apart when in zone coverage. Same thing with Tom Brady. Whenever you play zone coverage against Tom Brady, he's going to pick you apart. You need to play man coverage against some of these guys. Drew Brees has has not really played that well against man coverage. But when when you pl- when you go out and you play zone coverage against Drew Brees, it, it, you're not going to win that game. You're, you're just not going to win it. So the coaching staff for sure needs to do better here. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the biggest thing for me would have been the defense. Um, and like you said, playing zone against Drew Brees. I mean, come on. 
I mean, certainly he's seen his fair share of man-to-man and zone, but it's honestly been proven, and I think they mentioned it a couple times, even in the first quarter um, when he was simply just picking apart the defense, that he does play better against his own coverage than he does against man-to-man. Because when you start getting up in the faces like, you know, of Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, when you start keeping those guys at the line of scrimmage, it, it makes it harder for Breeze to get the ball out quickly. But when you're giving them 10 yards of, of, a, of a buffer, I mean, it's pretty easy to run a quick little out route or a quick little curl, and you're going to just pick up first down after first down. I mean, um, that and the pass rush was non-existent. I mean, you mentioned it all pretty well. And um, I think, again, like you said, the offense not running the ball. Um they weren't getting anything going on the four carries, but it's really hard to evaluate your run game on four carries. They just got behind so fast that they had to just throw the ball 60 times. So, um, you know, when you don't run a lot of plays, when you're behind, you know, at one point, 28, nothing, it's, it's hard to even get a running game established because you don't have an option but to throw and try to score quickly. Because if you want to come back from four touchdowns down, you need to score and do it fast so um I, I think we summed it up pretty well and my my other point would would be are the saints now a team to beat you know in the nfc if they continue to play like this or does this now make them favorites in the nfc south like everybody thought at the beginning of the season well i think for sure they're the favorites to win the nfc south now i mean you, you basically beat tom brady twice and that is something that tom brady has never experienced in his entire career with the New England Patriots, he has not been swept by a division opponent. So I, there, there's no question that the Saints are the favorites to win the NFC South unless they somehow, you know, just start losing a bunch of these games. But to the other question, uh, I think this does make the Saints the uh, favorites in the NFC right now just because I'm not really liking the way the Seahawks are playing right now, specifically because of their defense. And the Packers really just, you know, they, they can play inconsistent at times. And that, that's just something that I don't really see something as a winning formula. I mean, they, they lost to the Buccaneers. And then you have this head-scratcher loss against uh, your division opponent in the Vikings. So r- right now the Packers are playing very inconsistent. And yeah, just the Seahawks just... You, that that defense needs to play better. I mean, Jamal Adams, we, we saw it. Jamal Adams was getting into a heated argument with his new head coach, Pete Carroll. So, and, and you're, you're just not going to win games like that. And you cannot rely on Russell Wilson every week to bail you out. You, you just can't do it. So the defense needs to play a lot better there in Seattle for them to be back in the fa- back in the conversation of, are they the team to beat in the NFC? I think they can be, but the defense needs to play a lot better. As for the Saints, though, I mean, Drew Brees, as long as he keeps playing the way that he has been, uh, Alvin Kamara playing, just balling, straight balling, and then the Saints wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, who they got back this weekend, they're, they're playing at a great level. And then that defense, too, just that defense really looked like the defense of uh, old of old this past weekend. And if they can continue to play like that, they are for sure a dangerous team. And I think they could come out as the NFC champions. Yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, if this defense stays on this trajectory, you know, getting their pass rush back and then, you know, Latimore just shutting people down left and right. Um, 
it definitely makes them more of a dangerous team because Breeze doesn't have to do as much. Similar to how we talk about the Steelers this year, Ben doesn't have to do as much. Um, you know, if you don't make Breeze throw the ball 40 times a game, 50 times a game, um, you know, you're more likely going to win because it means the running game is successful. And if you can get the running game going, it opens up the play action for the Saints, which the play action for Drew Breeze is just deadly. Um, I think another point to it would be, you know, he's going to throw the ball 30 times a game. So you really have to make sure that you're possessing the ball. You allow the run game to get started because he's going to throw the ball a lot. The offense is an air attack offense more than it is a running game. So, um, you know, Camara basically plays running back and wide receiver. There's games where he'll catch 12 passes, but that's what makes him so dangerous. Um, you know, and you look at getting Michael Thomas back, Emmanuel Sanders back, Jared Cook's playing well. The offensive line is really playing a lot better. Um, I think that that getting the full complement of their weapons back certainly helps um, in terms of putting them in that contender uh, category. So that's that's kind of how I would look at it. And your points about the Seahawks are very solid in that you know Russ is a great quarterback and probably going to be in the top two for the MVP this year. But uh, you can't rely on him to to pull magic and win every game because if you're not playing defense, he can't put up enough points on his own. So. Um, I think that it puts the Saints certainly as the team that's going to win the NFC South unless something crazy happens. You know, it's almost as if like uh, somehow it was the uh, it was switched. You know, like back when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, it was the dynamic defense and um, just R- Russ being Russ as usual. But it like it wasn't all about the offense; it was all about the defense. And now it's switched. Now it's all about the offense and. It's all and the defense is, you know, playing terrible, similarly to how the Steelers looked in recent years. I mean, we we knew the offense was going to be great, but the defense just could not show up. Definitely. And that was the biggest weakness for the Steelers, you know, Ben having to throw a ton, Um, you know, the year he threw 600 times for 5000 yards and they still want, you know, anything special. So, um you know, I think that that certainly is a recipe for the Saints, especially with an aging quarterback, um, a guy who I don't really see playing much more than maybe two more years. Um, yeah, he's he's done it all. He's won basically everything you can win. Um, you know, I think for him, it's just almost a matter of outlasting Brady because I feel like the two of them kind of want to have the record. You know, so that's where they're going to battle out for you know passing yards, touchdowns, everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what the Saints Saints need to stick to is the game script they just had. Granted, it's not a cure all for every team, but I think that's their best way to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on here. Speaking of the Steelers, we're going to go right back to them. Uh, the Steelers had a bit of a scare there this past weekend against the Cowboys. Uh, they escaped them to uh, remain unbeaten. They uh, beat the Cowboys twenty four to nineteen, and you know, just going into this game, you had this feeling that it was going to be a trap game. Uh, this this was a classic Steelers game where they played down to their competition. Uh, I mean, we've seen it over the last few years. This was a team that should have blown out the Cowboys. Everybody was saying, oh, the Cowboys are going to get blown out. But the, the Cowboys actually played pretty well, and the Steelers had a little bit of a scare there. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. Steelers are, eight, are at 8-0. But, you know, just – things to improve on here for the Steelers. There are for sure things to improve on. And what do you think the Steelers need to improve on? The offensive line. That was my biggest takeaway from this game. Truly. The defense certainly had their struggles, but the Dallas Cowboys offensive line played their best game of the season without question. 
<clears throat> you knew they were going to be motivated. You knew they wanted to win the game. So you knew they were going to come out, try to give the ball to Zeke, protect, uh, protect their quarterback. You know, um, I, I think that the biggest weakness for the Steelers in that game was the offensive line, and a byproduct of that is the run game. James Conner ran for less than 30 yards, and Ben was scrambling. He got hit a bunch. That's how he got injured. Um, you know, I think that they need to shore up that offensive line. Now, I know they waved Wisniewski at the beginning of the week um, because, you know, the emergence of Dotson, he's playing so well. Um, I knew he was going to be a great pick when we picked him, um, you know, kind of looking into it. But I think that if the offensive line picks it up, Ben looks like he's in sync with Juju, Deontay, and Claypool. Um, I don't think there's a problem there. Clearly, he's on target with Ebron because Ebron picks up every catch is a first down, I swear. If it's not, it's like eight yards on first down, and it puts them in a position to convert a first down. So, um, you know, if you got the four guys going, you know, Connor's not really out of the backfield catching passes much this year, but if he can run the ball, which he has done well, he's got a couple games over 100 yards. Um, I think if that offensive line gets some push, gets it going, they'll be fine. Um, you know, obviously the the potential to lose Vince for the week, you know, as we highlighted, it doesn't bode well. But Avery Williamson could fill in. I mean, he's potential. You know, he he's a, a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker when he's healthy and playing well. So, um, you know, we, we we watched Minka make you know essentially the play that won them the game, that interception. Um, you know, granted, running it out to the seven was not the brightest idea. You just kind of take a knee there, but um, you know. It, they played well enough on defense. The defense held at the end of the game to secure the win. So I think the offensive line for me is the biggest thing to improve. I agree with you, but um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say the run game is the thing to work on the most. For sure, the offensive line needs to get better because, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger was getting hit a ton and just they, they weren't doing anything for Benny Snell, James Conner, Anthony McFarlane when they were running the ball. But if you look at it really throughout the past couple game, the past two weeks at least, because in the Titans game, James Conner was still playing pretty well. That run game was still pretty well. But against the Ravens and this past weekend against the Cowboys, the running game just hasn't been there. And this is one of the issues that I have with Randy Fickner as the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. It seems like whenever the run game gets shut down, Fickner just abandons all hope in the run and says, hey, Ben, we got to lean on you for us to win this game. When it's only when you're only down like three, when you're only down like three points. It, 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 I, I just don't understand why Figner would just abandon the run game because, I mean, the Cowboys had like one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, but I will give them credit because they came to play. They, they, stopped, the, they stopped James Conner. They stopped Benny Snell on those crucial like third and ones, fourth and ones, and that – that that's just something that you have to give them credit for because they really came prepared, but the run game throughout, but the run game just needs to get better. You need, you you need to get James Conner going. He was averaging like five yards a carry. I think like 5.5 yards a carry entering that game going throughout the whole season. And he's had, and like you said, he's had games where he's had over a hundred yards. And I'd like to think that he could get back to doing that when the offensive line plays better. So for sure, the run game needs to get better. Uh, I'm not really concerned about the defense too much because, I mean, I, I know you made Garrett Gilbert look like Tom Brady out there, but 
no one really had any film on Garrett, Garrett Gilbert. So you didn't know really how to prepare for for them. And to, like you said to Ben Roethlisberger, he's been in sync with his receivers all year long with Juju, Deontay, James Washington, Chase Claypool, and uh, Eric Ebron. So I'm not concerned about Ben Roethlisberger or the passing game. So it's for sure the running game for me. I think another thing that um, one of the Pittsburgh radio personalities had pointed out, I don't remember who it was, but um, Ben has had a lot of passes tipped at the line this year. I don't know why. I wonder if his, you know, release angle or point changed, you know, ever since his surgery, it's a little lower. And it certainly is. It's more of like a three quarter slot than it is totally over the top. But part of that has to be that the offensive line isn't getting enough pushback to the point where they're pushing, you know, linemen down and pancaking them because there's so many times where D linemen are getting their hands up and they're, they're tipping passes or, you know, linebackers rushing in or tipping passes. So I think it's another thing to keep an eye on. It's not, it's not necessarily a, um, uh, an end all be all in terms of his success, but um, you know, going back to the game where he threw three picks, two of them were tipped. So, um, I think that that's definitely something that's newer this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like the offensive line did definitely does need to get that push back to like what they were over the past recent years. Uh, I will say uh, the waiver of uh Wisniewski, I mean, th- that was tough just because he's playing in his hometown. He's playing really in his home state. So th- that was tough to see, but, I agree with what you said earlier, and Dotson, he has for sure emerged as uh, one of the top uh, linemen that we've that we've taken, and I do see him starting for the Steelers here in the next couple years. Definitely. Um, then we can move on now to uh, to another game as we highlighted the Seahawks and their struggles when we were talking about the Saints and the NFC. Uh, the Bills went into Seattle. Or- the Bills played the Seahawks. Sorry. Yeah, it was it was op- yeah, opposite. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the Bills played the Seahawks. They went in. They uh, they went and beat them forty four to thirty four. Um, the Bills' offense looked incredible. Um, I mean, it looked like they looked the first couple weeks of the season. Um, you know, was this was this game a a good Bills team finally getting their footing back, having that bounce back after you know having some bad games strung in there, winning a game with all field goals, you know, or was this just a bad Seahawks team that defensively more than offensively, because 34 points points to a pretty good offense. Um, do you think it's just, you know, more their defensive struggles than anything, or was it just the Bills being that good? I think it was for sure more of the Seahawks struggling. Like, don't get me wrong. The Bills, they, they played their hearts out. They played, as you said, they they played like the Bills that we saw over the past first four weeks of the season. They they definitely looked that way, but I think it's more of bad Seahawks just because of that defense. Really, I don't I don't even know if they forced any turnovers in that game, but they really just did not get a pass rush on Josh Allen, and really just Josh Allen had their had his way with that defense. I know you got Jamal Adams back, so that was for sure a help for the Seahawks secondary, but it really didn't do much because 44 points you you can't do that you you cannot you cannot give up 44 points to like to to a good team like that and if you want to be one of the top teams in your conference let alone your division too you, you have to play better you have to 
stop the run. You have to get better in the passing game. And the Seahawks defense has not done that. We've seen this throughout the season, throughout the course of the season, because just really they, they, they have not played well. Now, they've been winning because of Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson didn't have his best game either because I think he threw like three interceptions or something like that. But he still played his heart out. He was one of the reasons they were going to come back and win this game for sure. But the Seahawks defense, you need to step up. You need to get back to where you were a few years ago, like the Legion of Boom. I know they're not going to, I know they're not, they're probably not going to get back to that level just yet. But obviously acquiring a guy like Jamal Adams helped. But still, it, it just, the Seahawks defense cannot be giving up like 30 points a game when you're trying to get to the Super Bowl. That's just not a recipe for success there. No, I mean, you're going to run into the Bucks. You're going to run into potentially the Saints, um, you know, the Cardinals, maybe the Rams, you know, teams that can score points and, you know, have the offense to do it. Um, the NFC certainly, you know, even the Packers, they're not, the NFC is not short on teams that can score. And if you can't stop them, it doesn't matter how much you can score. If you can't stop them, they're just going to score more. And it's going to come down to who has the ball last in, in a lot of cases, you know, if they don't get any better. So um, I would agree. I think it was more bad Seahawks, but in the Bills defense, they were very good. Josh Allen looked unbelievable. Um, the running backs didn't do anything. Um, but the passing game, it was just unreal. I mean, well, I think he started 18 of 20 for like 240 yards and three TDs. Just, I mean, they, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it, it does barely, but it doesn't get much better than that. So He played like the MVP quarterback that he's trying to be. Exactly. He, you know, certainly he's still a few years away from that and there's a lot of rough around the edges to smooth out. But if you can play like that with some rough around the edges, I'm kind of scared of how good he can be. But exactly. As I mentioned, I believe in our first episode, I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. So I'm excited to see how good he can be. Um, I personally believe he was the best quarterback from that draft class and, you know, very raw, but had the highest ceiling. So, um, that was, you know, that's my take on the game. I, I think you summed it up really well. Even with Jamal Adams back, the Seahawks didn't do enough. They didn't stop a passing game. You know, Diggs, I think he was targeted like a bajillion times, as he always is. I mean, I, I don't remember the number, but he always ends up with double-digit catches. He crosses 100 yards regularly. He doesn't even have to have a touchdown to be productive. Um, you know, Beasley's in there. John Brown was targeted a ton, had almost 100 yards. So, um, certainly – goes to show how good the Bills can be, even without a running game, and the glaring issues on the Seahawks' defense. Yeah, exactly. You summed it up pretty well, too. I mean, if the Seahawks' defense does not get better, then they're not going to be able to compete with the teams like like New Orleans or Tampa or Green Bay or even, yeah, Los Angeles or or Arizona. Like they, they need to get better. Pete Carroll definitely needs to get his team together, rally his team together, and just play better on the defensive side there. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes here for for the Seahawks when they come up when when they play again this upcoming weekend. But let's move on to uh, the, our next game uh, to a tug of Viola. You know he he struggled a little bit last week. He didn't have the best game, but for sure he played better this uh, this past weekend for sure. And uh, his Dolphins team beat the uh, Arizona Cardinals 34-31. They're on a roll here right now. So this gets you to ask, are the Dolphins a playoff team at the moment? 
I mean, their defense is playing really well. Um, their defense has won them a couple of these four games that they've won in a row. Um, the offense certainly looked much better this week than it did last week. I know we pointed out, you know, how bad Tua looked in his first start. Granted, it was his first start, um, but you know, under 100 yards passing, very, very bad completion percentage. Um, he looked almost how Kyler Murray looks in this game. So, um, you know, very elusive, smaller guy for sure. Big arm, um, can run. Uh, just like Joe Burrow kind of needs to work on his slide. Um, yeah, I think they could be a playoff team. I don't think they're really a Super Bowl contender, and I don't know if they will be for a while. They still have some issues, and they're a team that can be beaten and exploited easily. Um, but they're certainly playing really well right now. The team is gelling. Um, the head coach is doing a great job. Um, but I don't know. I think I think they're certainly going to – going to make a run at making the playoffs now that there's seven spots i mean we talked before the show started that the afc um is a team is a is the conference that's pretty well set in terms of teams that are going to make the playoffs but you know there's a group that are vying for the bottom two wild cards so i believe they can be um they have weapons you know preston williams Devonte parker miles gaskin matt Breida, uh jordan howard you know they got they got the talent they got the names um you know Gesicki's really good. Uh, he's just a freak. And, uh, and the defense, I mean, they're not a bad team. They're just a team that for years, you know, the last few years is a, is a different story, but have played in a division where it was really hard to make the playoffs because you weren't going to win it. And if you weren't good enough, there was always a, two teams from the AFC North, and there's generally been two teams from the AFC West. So, um, yeah, I think that they can be. They just have to stay on this trajectory and, you know, keep winning games that they need to win. I think we all deserve – I think we all owe uh, Brian Flores an apology because I because he was getting criticized a lot for benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and starting Tua. I mean, everybody was questioning him like, oh, why, why are you starting the rookie now when the veteran is playing so well? That just doesn't make any sense. And yet he, he knew what he was doing. He, he said that this was not an audition for Tua. This was his time to shine, and for sure he has. I mean, not not much, not so much in the first game, last week's game, but this past Sunday, he for sure signed. And I got to be honest, I, I'm all in on this Tua train. I'm all in on the Dolphins right now. I, I do agree with you. I don't think that they are a Super Bowl contender because they're gonna have to get they're gonna have to play the Steelers or the Chiefs or the Ravens or even the Bills. So, yeah, they're for sure not a Super Bowl contender team, but I am buying in on the Dolphins right now to make the playoffs, to be that sixth seed or that seventh seed. Like you said, just those playmakers that they have in Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, Gasicki, uh, all those guys, they're balling right now. And the defense, it stepped up. I mean, it did step up. It didn't play too well this past weekend because, I mean, it's Kyler Murray. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to struggle against Kyler Murray, that's for sure. But just – can't say enough about Tua and how well he's played throughout the past two weeks, mainly this past weekend. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, he definitely needs to work on his slide. and But that's just a rookie thing. You know, he, he'll learn. He's learning quickly what it's like to play in the NFL. And if he does make the playoffs, it'll be tough for him. But at the end of the day, he, he's, he's still playing really well. Uh, the only thing I worry about him, the only thing I worry for him is that now that, you know, you have two weeks of tape on him on, on Tua, 
um, maybe teams will start figure, figuring you out. And I think that's just what happens in the NFL here. So, But at the end of the day, I'm still buying in on the Dolphins, and I do think that they are a playoff team and could potentially be there when we're all set and done with regular season. Certainly. I think you're – I think you're right. And um, speaking of playoff teams, another playoff team who um, we have been saying all along would be in the playoffs and is certainly a contender in the NFC. Um, They kind of fell off for a couple of weeks, uh, reclaimed their throne as one of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, The Packers beat the 49ers and I mean, (laughs) they just destroyed them. They made the 49ers look like a high school team out there. Um, the 49ers certainly are playing a lot of guys who, you know, shouldn't be on an NFL roster um, or wouldn't be if they were healthy. I guess that's the right way to say it. But, um, you know, the Packers, they played probably their best game of the year in terms of being the most complete. Um, do you think the 49ers season is over? Certainly their record puts them in a position in their uh, division where they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um but but what do you think? Do you think they should just kind of pack it in and maybe try for that uh, for a higher pick in the draft? Well, I mean they're not going to do that. I mean, uh, Mike Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is that, or is it Mike Shanahan? Kyle. Kyle. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Mike's his father, but yeah, Kyle Shanahan's not going to pack it in just yet. But I am looking at their schedule right now. They play the Saints this upcoming weekend. Then they play the Rams, the Bills, the Washington football team, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and they finish up with the Seahawks. I, I, I really don't know, especially if you don't get uh, Jimmy G or George Kittle back by, we'll say, the Washington game, because they're for sure not going to, they're for sure not playing the next probably three or four, three or four games here, but, or at least one of them is not going to. But anyway, just uh, I, I just don't see them uh, beating some of these teams here. So to make it short and simple, yes, I do think that their season's over. I don't think they'll beat the Saints. I don't think they'll beat the Rams. And I don't think that they'll beat the Bills with the current roster that they have. I know Nick Mullins. I mean, he started in this league before, and he he's not bad. I mean, he's capable of being a starter in this league. But just the other injuries go around with it, too. Uh the loss of George Kittle helped. Uh, I really don't know that much about the 49ers wide receivers. Their running backs are extremely injured and their defense just hasn't been really been playing at the level they have since Nick Bosa got down, uh, got injured for the, for the whole season. So I do think that the 49ers season is over. Uh, If they somehow win these, if they somehow win two of these three upcoming games and, they're at four and five right now. So if they if they get to seven and five by the time they play uh, Washington, then my bet is that Kyle Shanahan will probably uh, activate uh, Jimmy G and George Kittle, and they may say, "Hey, let's try to ride, the, let's try to run the table here and try to get into the playoffs." But I just don't see that happening. So I do think that the 49ers season is over. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be in any rush to uh, to bring Kittle and Jimmy G back, especially with Kittle. He's been hurt, I mean, the majority of the season up until he did get hurt for basically the rest of the year. Um, I don't think they're going to force uh, either he or Jimmy G back. They both were just in and out of the lineup until you know they both went down uh, a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think their season's done, certainly. They lost a lot on defense with Bosa going down. 
Um, they're, they're a skeleton crew on offense. All of their running backs are pretty much hurt. Um, you know, I think that they're a team that, like you said, if they win a few games, they may try to work back into it and let Mullins, you know, play his game. Um, you know, the, the running backs, they're more of a running offense anyways. So they, if they get the running backs back, they're in a better spot, but yeah, I don't know. I think that they're, I think that they're done. I think that they let Jimmy G and Kittle take the the rest of the season pretty much to rest up and get healthy. You know, if they're back by week 14, 15, it's all dependent on, um, you know, kind of where they are record wise, but yeah, I don't, I don't see them making the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're pretty much out of it as it is. It's kind of a, a foregone conclusion, but um, speaking of playoffs, we have a, a couple lists here. Um, out of the AFC, uh, we're, we're, we're asking here, which teams have the best chance of making the playoffs out of the AFC. We have the Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, or Colts. And we're, we're saying for the, the wild card spots. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, uh, six and seven seed. Um, cause I think, uh, one through five is pretty much determined at this point, but I mean, anything could happen. Yeah, um, I'm buying in right now on the Raiders and the Dolphins. I think the Raiders and Dolphins are for sure playing their best football right now. They're getting hot at the right time. Uh, the Raiders, I think, are on a three-game winning streak or something like that. And then the Dolphins, they're riding on a two-game winning streak. I'll have to look at the uh, Dolphins' schedule here really quick just to see who they who they got coming up. But I do think that – okay, so they play the Chargers this weekend. Then they got the Broncos, the Jets – the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and they finish up with the Bills. You know, if Tua can just continue to play well and that offense continues to click, the defense continues to play pretty well here, they could easily win their next four games. The Chiefs will be tough because they're sitting at, what, five and three right now? So, yeah, uh, the, the Chiefs will be tough. The Patriots is a question mark. Uh, the Raiders that could be a battle for the sixth seed in the in the postseason, uh, and then just the the Bills. I, I don't know if they'll beat the Bills again, but I could see them easily at nine and seven or ten and six, and that'll definitely get you into the six or seven seed. Uh, as for the Raiders too, I I, th- I like what I'm seeing from Derek Carr and that offense. I they're getting hot at the right time too. Uh, the Browns and Colts, you know. We kind of talked about this last week, especially with Philip Rivers and the Colts. Just he's really been inconsistent all year, and I don't know, and I just don't really trust that. I mean, they're sitting at five and three right now. They're still pretty good, and they can and they can they can continue to compete with the Titans in the a- the AFC South because the Titans are playing somewhat iffy there. But I just don't really trust the Colts. And for the Browns too, it's we, we, we kind of went over this too over the past couple weeks. But it the Baker Mayfield cycle, you, you just never know with him. He, he'll play well one game and then he'll come back and lay an egg the next game too. So right now I'm putting my trust in uh John Gruden and the Raiders and uh Tua and the Dolphins. I'm gonna take the the Dolphins, or not the Dolphins, the Raiders and the Browns. I'm going to say that the Dolphins don't quite put it together enough, and I think that the Raiders and Browns do better than them. Um, I look at the Browns' schedule. The next three weeks, they have Houston, Philly, and Jacksonville. Um, certainly Houston and Jacksonville are two games that they can win. They are getting Nick Chubb back this week, um, so they'll have their their one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt. Um, you know, I think that they take advantage of a weakened Texans front um, the Eagles, they could potentially win, again, a weaker uh, front seven. 
um, in terms of, you know, how they've been in the past. So, uh, and then as we know, Jacksonville, I mean, Jacksonville's a team that traded away pretty much all of their, uh, their best defenders. Now, granted, they have the two highest rated rookie defenders, um, but it, it's hard to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You know, if one has a bad game, the other probably is going to pick it up. So, <clears throat> you know, they finish with Tennessee, Baltimore, the Giants, the Jets, and the Steelers. So those last five games, um, it, it kind of depends on how they do against the Ravens more than anything, if they can redeem themselves. But if not, you know, they could potentially beat the Giants and the Jets. I don't know about Pittsburgh, but if Pittsburgh's, you know, at a point where they're 14-1, um, and 13-2, and two, even 15-0, and 0, they're probably not going to start anybody, um, you know, like Ben, Juju, it's going to be all of the backups. So it's a game you could win because they've probably by that point locked up the one seed, um, you know, if that's the situation. So, you know, they could get, they have a good shot at getting in. Um, and like I said, the Raiders as well, their schedule would be Denver, Kansas City, Atlanta, the Jets, the Colts, the Chargers, Dolphins, and uh, Broncos again. The two Broncos games are winnable. The Atlanta game is winnable. The Jets, the Colts, the Chargers, they're all winnable games. Um, you know, they're sitting at one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um, you add six wins on two. Uh, what's the record right now? Five and three. It's 11. So you can get to an 11 and five team. Um, they're not going to win their division, but there's a chance. Um, you know, that puts them in a wild card spot. So that's the two teams I'm going to take. Yeah, no, I definitely think that the Browns can do can make the playoffs, and they're for sure. This is the best team that they that we've seen them at this whole year, well, over the past like probably two decades or whatever. But I don't know. It, like I said, it's just the inconsistency of Baker Mayfield that worries me, and that the Browns' defense is not the best either. Uh, I mean, Miles Garrett, he's playing at that Defensive Player of the Year caliber, and I think he's the. Fr- Based on everything that I'm reading, he's the front runner right now. But other than that, like there's nobody else on that defense that really is that good. I mean, maybe maybe outside of Denzel Ward, but nobody else is really playing uh, at an elite level right now. But uh, I, I think they could still do it. I think they could still r- run the table there and make the playoffs. The Browns. But um, hey, let's move on to the uh, NFC side. So the NFC side, uh, there's some interesting teams that are making a push for the playoffs as well for that. Uh, for those final two seeds, uh, we got the uh, Cardinals, the Rams, the Bears, and the 49ers. Now, out of those four teams, who do you think – who do you like the most? I think we're both going to take the same two teams. I'm going with the Cardinals and Rams. The 49ers, as we said, they're pretty much going to be out of it. Um, and the Bears, I don't trust them enough. They don't have a running game. Uh, Montgomery's not getting it done. Um he's very inconsistent and he runs for either like 1.7 yards per carry or like four. And when he gets four, he only gets like four or five carries because they're losing by a lot. So um, I think the Rams, you know, the Rams have a very difficult schedule to finish with two against Arizona, one with Seattle, one with Tampa or two with Seattle. I'm sorry. And then the other two games would be the jets and the Patriots and then the 49ers. So tough schedule, but they're certainly a team that is two years removed from, a Super Bowl appearance. Um, definitely missing some pieces from that team, but they're still a very good team. Um, Jared Goff's great. They're running back by committee is working um, to an extent, and they still have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and they still have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So, excuse me, I think they're still a good enough team to get it done. Um, the Cardinals, um, 
they also have a tough schedule. You know, they have the Bills and the Seahawks the next two weeks. Um, you know, the Seahawks is definitely going to be a shootout again. The Bills is going to be a tough call because they are coming off a really big game. Um, but then they have the Patriots, the Rams, Giants, Eagles, Niners, and Rams. So I think they have a pretty easy final six weeks. Um, I think if you lose the next two games, you're still in it, even if you are at five and five. Um, you know, in that division, I think that obviously beating Seattle once helps a lot, depending on what Seattle does the rest of the way. But you have potentially, you know, six to seven winnable games out of their last eight. So um, those are the two I'm going to go with, being that the Bears just aren't really up to par, even with um, Khalil Mack. I don't think it's enough. Um, And as we said, the Niners are just a skeleton. So those are the two I'm going to take. Yep, I agree with you. It's going to be the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, when I'm looking at the Bears' schedule here, they have to play the Minnesota twice. Uh, they have to play Minnesota this weekend. Uh, then they have to play the Packers twice. And then they have the Lions, Houston, and Jacksonville. Uh, they could definitely beat uh, Detroit, uh, Houston, and Jacksonville. I don't know if I see them beating Aaron Rodgers twice. I, I just don't know if I see that. Uh, one of those games will be the last game of the season against the Packers. And potentially, I mean, Aaron Rodgers may not even play just because they could have the division locked up by then and possibly one of the top two seeds locked up as well. But then again, I mean, when I look at the Vikings too, I mean, they're on like a two game, two, three game winning streak here as well. I think it's two games, but they're they're playing pretty well too. So I, I'm not saying that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs here, but they, they've already upset the Packers. And I could see them pulling off an upset against the Bears here too. So I I just don't trust the Bears. And I agree with you too. I really don't trust the 49ers either, especially with how banged up they are. And like we talked about too, that they're just a skeleton of a franchise right now. So it's for sure going to be the Cardinals and the Rams uh, entering those final two spots in the uh, playoffs. Um, let's move on to uh... – to the, to the little news that came up today, uh, the NFL is considering a 16-team playoff field, meaning eight per conference, um, potentially expanding into one of, the two te- one of the two teams we left out of our lists um, if there are missed games that cannot be made up via COVID cancellation. So it's really hinging upon the fact um, if we were to have enough games missed that teams – um, are vying for playoff spots and are like on a tiebreaker of by points scored or something. Um, the other team would get in on each side. So um, that's the news that came out today. Uh, nothing is set in stone. It's just a plan, a contingency plan. Did you have anything to add to that? You know, I just don't think that the NFL is going to go with that plan. I know they approved it, approved of it, and the owners did too. But we haven't had a rescheduled game since like week six or week five what something like that so for the for sure the nfl is just going to continue to push for you know all the games to go on as scheduled now i mean everybody that has tested positive for the coronavirus has been like midweek meaning like today being tuesday and they've been fine to play uh on sunday as well so I don't think the NFL will go with that plan just because they're just going to try to push to be on schedule. And yeah, they're just going to continue to push on schedule. And I don't know how that would really work when playoff time comes. Cause I mean, no teams would, would then have a buy. So 
it will be interesting to see for sure if it actually does happen, but I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I agree. I don't see it happening. They're going to try and get the games in without cancellation as much as possible, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. So let's move into our week 10 game picks. A little recap of last week. We had a pretty good week. Uh, you went four and two and, uh, I went six and oh. So, um, you know, the last few weeks, uh, we've, we struggled last week or not last week, but two weeks ago for week eight, but, uh, week seven, we did pretty solid. So, uh, let's see if we can keep it rolling here for week 10. Uh, our first game is going to be the Colts and the Titans. This is a battle for potentially the division. Um, you know, if the Colts win this game, um, it puts them in a really good spot to potentially take advantage of this division. Um, but if the Titans win, I think it pretty much, it puts them, I think it'll be what, two games up. Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you go two games up and I think they play the Colts twice, um, the rest of the way and actually the next three weeks, I think it's, I think the Colts schedule goes Titans, Packers, Titans. So, um, you know, the next three weeks are crucial for both teams really in terms of this division, uh, who are you going to take here? I'm going to take the Titans just because I think they're finally back on their groove. Uh, they got a much needed win against the Bears this past weekend. And I think they'll run the ball with Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill will find his receivers and Corey Davis, A.J. Brown. Obviously, A.J. Brown having a big season. Ryan Tannehill also having a pretty good season as well. And that defense, I, I think they really stepped up uh, this past weekend, shutting down. Nick Foles and that running game. Desmond King actually had a scoop and score. The newly acquired Desmond King from uh, via trade over with uh, Los Angeles, the Chargers. So I, I'm taking the Titans. Also, the the Colts, j- just kind of like we said, just the inconsistency that we've seen with Phillip Rivers. I mean, the Colts played their hearts out against the Ravens this past weekend, but Phillip Rivers was not making those big time plays and the, the Ravens defense was really just shutting down Jonathan Taylor and all that and, and all those guys and just the Colts defense as well. I mean, they were able to contain Lamar, Lamar in that offense a little bit, but like we talked about, that's just kind of the inconsistency, inconsistency of Lamar Jackson. But once Lamar picked it up, he was able to play really well. So I'm taking the Titans. I like them in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's that's a pretty pretty easy pick there, um, based on if the Titans play the way that they have. Um, I'm going to take the Titans as well. Um, I think like like you mentioned that we talk about how the uh, the Colts are very inconsistent. You know, granted, Philip Rivers is a great quarterback, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I just really wasn't convinced on the fit when they signed him. I thought that Jacoby Brissett deserved a chance to play. Uh, another season um he's a guy that you traded for not that you gave up a lot for him but traded for him gave him the reins after luck retired so um yeah i I think the titans simply because their running game is going to be too good um and like you said aj brown and Corey davis they're both having unreal years um aj brown ever since his return from the covid list has just been on fire so uh same can be said for Corey davis uh sands last week um yeah, I, I think that that's just – you summed it up really well, and there's just not much more to say about it. The Colts receivers have just been a non-factor, um, and they're just their defense isn't doing enough to make up for the lack of scoring. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's move on to our next game here. So we got the uh, Bucks and the Panthers, another division another division game here with uh, the Bucks playing their second straight division game in a row. 
Um, I have here on the outline uh, with the Panthers win, would would they have a chance to make the playoffs? Uh, I, I'm I'm actually going to scratch that just because I I don't think the Panthers will I, unless unless you think so. But at the end, but um, can a Tom Brady uh, rebound against the Panthers, or do we see a potential upset here? I think it hinges on McCaffrey's availability for this game, um, being that he did hurt his shoulder on literally his last play of the game. Um, little fantasy side note, those of us, including myself, who drafted him, who waited eight weeks for his return, um, could not be more frustrated in the fact that he was like, that that happened. You know, just, oh man. <laughs> but anyways, back to reality, not fantasy. Yeah, I'll bet, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that the Panthers certainly have a chance. You know, uh, Robbie Anderson, skinny, uh, skinny Rob has been playing really well this year. Um, Curtis Samuel has certainly burst on the scene in the last few weeks. Here, he's getting a lot more touches. Um, he's been more of the red zone threat than than Anderson. Um, and Mike Davis, I mean, he was doing well before McCaffrey returned, and if McCaffrey's back, I mean, it's McCaffrey. I mean, there's not much else to say about him. So. Um, they certainly have a chance, but I think that Brady coming off a loss in his career, you can just see how much better he is um, a lot of the time, especially a big loss. Not that he had very many of them in New England, but anytime it was a big loss, he was just like lights out for four weeks. So um, I think the I think the Bucks win this game. I think it's more of their defense than anything else. I think that the offense is going to um, still have some kinks. The whole AB thing, I don't know what that does to the offense in terms of a benefit, but um, at the same time, I know that certainly he is a huge threat and is a great insurance policy if Mike Evans or Godwin were to get hurt again. Um, but yeah, I think that the Bucks win this game, and I think that they come out with a vengeance on the running game and really try to get it going. I agree. I um, It, it really, Tom Brady and that whole Buccaneers team has to be ticked off, really annoyed right now. Especially, especially with how they played this past weekend against the Saints. I mean, you just know that that's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know that's not how they actually play. That that's just not their team. They are for sure a playoff team. So I, I agree. I think Tampa wins this matchup. Brady's going to go off. I think he's going to pick apart the the Panthers defense. The Panthers defense really isn't that good either. I, I just think we have to note that the Panthers. Defense is not that good, and I think the Bucks' defense will play really well against Teddy Bridgewater in that offense. I mean, we'll have to wait and see if, in fact, Christian McCaffrey does come out, uh, does play. I, well, like you said at the beginning, I'm sure that's really frustrating for uh, fantasy reasons, but also just for Panthers fans too. I mean, you wait six weeks for him to come back. I mean, he's when healthy, he's one of, if not the best running back in the NFL probably the most athletic running back in the NFL, really. Um, But I I just don't think that that'll be enough for them to get this win against Tampa, so I'm taking Tampa. Yeah, that's definitely um, a lot of the keys in terms of why the Panthers probably won't win. Um, You definitely hit the nail on the head with the defense. Uh, It's definitely nothing special, uh, especially with the loss of Luke Keekley. But, um, yeah, I think that's just a pretty pretty, – Pretty easy game to call uh, in terms of what the Bucks might do. Um, our next game here is going to be the Bills and Cardinals. The Bills coming off their huge win over the Seahawks. 
and the Cardinals coming off of a, of a tough loss to the Dolphins. Uh, both teams had their offenses just absolutely going uh, this past week in defense. Not so much. Um, I think that the Bills have a lot to prove in terms of if they can beat the Cardinals and the Seahawks back-to-back. It shows that they really are a solid team, and that would get them to eight wins. Um, and then uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they have to bounce back. They have to get back in this race, get to six and three. Um who do you think is going to win here? This is going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, it's really just going to be an offensive game. Both quarterbacks playing at an extremely high level. And just the wide receivers, the running backs, they're all going to go off. But at the end of the day, I'm going to take Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, mainly because I think Kyler Murray is for sure more athletic than Josh Allen, and he will beat the Bills' defense with his legs if more – more than anything, but I mean, Ky- Kyler Murray's no scrub in the passing game either. I mean, we, we've seen that he has his new best friend in DeAndre Hopkins. He still has Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk coming on as a solid number two receiver as well, especially in that, especially in the deep game as well. Uh, it'll be tougher Tredavious White in that Bill secondary for without a doubt. So I'm for sure going to take Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals in this matchup. I'm actually going to take the Bills. Um, I think that the Bills coming off of the type of game that they played are going to be motivated to um, to continue this this momentum that they're building. Um, I think that this this opportunity presents itself as a good time to get the running game going again. Um, now, granted, two weeks ago they did have Moss and Singletary run for like a combined 170 yards, but um, I think they get more of a run game established. But also, as I mentioned, Diggs is going to end up with double-digit targets. John Brown will probably have seven. Beasley will probably have the same. Um, Allen's going to throw the ball a lot, but they're also going to you know, keep the game moving. They don't possess the ball for long because they do make a lot of splash-type plays. Um, but I think the Bills win this game. I think their defense is good enough. Um, Hopkins is coming off being shut down and like absolutely just covered the entire game like a blanket against the Dolphins. Um, but I think that that's what they focus on. I think the Bills really make that their focus. Christian Kirk could be in line for another big game if uh, Hopkins is well covered. Um, and, and Edmonds, the running back, is solid. Don't get me wrong, but I think that the Bills' front seven is good enough um, to keep it under control. Uh, it is tough to contain Kyler. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he's still probably going to run for 100 yards um, since he's basically a running back as well. But um, I think the Bills win this game. Yeah, I, I love I, I like your reasoning and everything, but uh, the thing that really gets to me is that when I saw uh, Kyler Murray's press conference uh, on SportsCenter and ESPN and all, and and all those networks, uh, he looked ticked off. He looked really annoyed because he probably thinks that they could have played better and they definitely had a chance to win. Uh, the Cardinals were vi- were like a few inches short of getting that game to overtime because Zane Gonzalez missed a pretty easy field goal. I think it was like 40 some yards or anything, but I mean, this game could go either way. It'll be a high score game. Like I said, but at the end of the day, I'm taking the Cardinals. Uh, we'll move on to our next game here, which is another division matchup with the uh, Seahawks and the Rams here. So obviously the Seahawks coming off that tough loss against the bills. And then did the, who did the Rams play this past weekend? They were on by. And that's that. That's, that's what I was thinking too. They were on a buy. So Rams rested up, coming off a bye here. Who do you like? Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks. I think that they bounce back. 
Um, I think that if they get Carson back, it's a huge add. Even if they get uh, Carlos Hyde back, um, I think that that's been a big struggle these past two weeks for them is not having their two running backs, um, mostly Carson. He is obviously the number one there. Um, Carlos Hyde is a guy who can't, who in the past has run for almost a thousand yards and has been productive. Um, getting either one back, nothing against DJ Dallas. He's filled in well, but he's no Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde. So, um, I think if they're able to get the running game going a little more, uh, it keeps Russ a little, it keeps the pressure off of Russ a little bit more, um, because he will be able to hit Lockett. He will be able to hit Metcalf, um, and then, and then Derek Moore or DJ Moore, I'm sorry. Um, they're going to be a little more open. Um, and they're going to have more opportunities to to get things going. And I think that the second week back for Adams and then Carlos Dunlap having another week uh, of practice is going to make a difference in terms of that defense. Granted, their their DBs are not great, but Adams being back another week, I think it's going to help um, his you know kind of preparedness. So I'm going with Seattle. I don't think that the Rams are quite up to the level of what the the Seahawks have, but certainly it is a winnable game for the Rams. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I'm taking Seattle too. Uh, coming off a bye, obviously, is like can be hit or miss. I mean, I know you're rested up and everything, but it's still hit or miss. Uh, I think Aaron Donald will have a pretty good game. He'll, I think he'll have he'll disrupt Russell Wilson in that Seahawks run game too a little bit. But at the end of the day, let Russ cook. He's gonna he, he's gonna play really well, especially coming off a loss like he from this past weekend. I mean, if I think he threw like three interceptions against the Bills defense. So for sure, he's he's a little upset too with how he played. And when, when you have a performance like that, you're, you're going to play better the next week. I expect Russ to take care of the ball. And obviously with, like you said, with Chris Carson coming back, it's for sure going to be uh, the, the Seahawks will get a boost in their uh, running game. Although I will say DJ Dallas did not do bad the past two weeks, especially for fantasy because I picked him up in one of my leagues and He's he's done pretty well, but I mean, DJ Dallas is no Chris Carson and Chris Carson, I think, will have a good game if he comes back. And yeah, to touch up on the defense, too, I think Jamal Adams will, you know, will will disrupt uh, Jared Goff in the passing game, too. And Carlos Dunlap, it was only his first game with Seattle. So, I mean, I I think Carlos Dunlap will make his presence known this weekend against the Rams. So I am also taking the Seahawks. Yeah, I like. I think the defense having a little more preparedness time helps. Um, let's get into our next game here: the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, the Ravens, uh, a team that kind of didn't play so well this past week, but did escape with a win uh, once the offense got it going a little bit. And the Patriots, who came back from uh, quite a ways down against the Jets yesterday. Um, you know, granted the Jets are uh, the worst team in the NFL, um, but they did manage to beat them on a last-second field goal. Um, are we are we looking at maybe an upset here, or do you think that it's just you know not a very good Patriots team? I think this has the potential to be an upset game, but I don't think it will be. I'm, I'm taking the Ravens. I think um, Lamar Jackson is going to have a big game, especially running the ball. I'm not sure if he'll pass the ball that much just because uh, Stephon Gilmore hurt, because I don't think he played this past weekend. Uh, the, think, uh, I can't night. remember if he's still on the COVID list or if he's hurt. That's right. Okay. I forgot he was on the COVID list, but e- either way, I mean, if he doesn't play, then maybe Lamar passes the ball a little bit, but he, we even saw Joe Flacco struggle against the uh, Patriots defense this past weekend. And we, we know about Lamar's struggles, but 
I, I think he'll play well. The biggest reason I think I'll take the Ravens is because of their defense. Their, their defense is still one of the top top defenses in the NFL, and I think that they will shut down Cam Newton, especially running the ball, because Cam Newton's for sure going to do that because he really has no one to pass it to, especially if Julian Edelman does not play again, that they're talking about possibly him being out for the rest of the season. Uh, and then we've touched upon this before too, but the Patriots really have no running game. They're basically, their running back is Cam Newton, and he's not, he's even not running the ball pretty well too. So I think the Ravens defense will play big here and shut down Cam Newton and that Patriots offense. Lamar Jackson, the offense will play well. I think they'll play well enough to put up some points, but at the end of the day, Ravens defense, Clays Campbell, all those guys, I think they're going to have a good game. Um, you're certainly right. And, and the Patriots, their running game um, is very weak to weak, and they're not going to get much against the Ravens. Um, I am going to take the Ravens because the, the Patriots are not going to be able to run the ball. I mean, Damian Harris has been playing pretty well the last few weeks, but he's certainly not going to be able to run against that front seven. Um, and, then the, and then the DBs are the Ravens. I mean, Jacoby Myers, if he's your number one receiver, he did go off um, this week with like 12 catches for like 150 yards, but you're not going to get that against the Ravens. Um, just blatantly targeting the same guy over and over and over um, and, ho- and hoping for the same result consistently. So um, the Patriots defense is certainly good. They did have a lot of guys opt out at the beginning of the year um, and with Gilmore not playing. Um, it's it's a certainly a big hole to, to be filled. But yeah, I think that, that the Ravens defense and then the potential for Lamar to just go off at any time um, is too great. And I think that the Ravens win this game for sure. Obvi- and it'll obviously be tough for Cam Newton and that uh, pa- and those Patriots wide receivers if uh, Marlon Humphrey comes back this week. But yeah, for sure, I think the Ravens win this game. Uh, then we'll move on to our last game, which is our game, the uh, Bengals against the Steelers. Bengals coming off a bye week and uh, the Steelers coming off a win against the uh, Cowboys. Now we know, uh, we we talked about it, about the Steelers' struggles right now. Uh, not only just with how they played this past weekend, but just with what they're going through right now with COVID and just, just really with COVID. So um, do do the Bengals have a chance to win this game? If big Ben does not play this weekend. I don't think so. Um, Personally, I know we talked about it earlier. I not on the podcast, but uh, in conversation earlier, I think that, even if Mason Rudolph were to have to play or Josh Dobbs, I think that we're a good enough team to beat the Bengals. Um, they did trade away Carlos Dunlap, so their their pass rush is certainly weaker. Their run stopping is certainly weaker. Um, I feel like if Mason has to start, if Ben cannot play, whether it be due to his injury, just taking a week off, or COVID, um, I think that the ball is going to get handed to Connor a lot regardless, he and Snell. Uh, even McFarlane, because he was getting worked into the game plan a little bit this past week. But, um, yeah, I just – personally, I don't think that um, the Bengals are a team that can, that can you know, stop us well enough. Um, whereas if our defense plays well enough, I mean, Joe Burrow's not going to be able to do anything. And uh, whether they have Mixon or Giovanni Bernard, they're not going to do anything either. So, um, you know, I think that it really comes down to – just kind of looking at the state of the teams uh, and who the Bengals got rid of. So, um, you know, certainly Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, T Higgins, they could all have a good game because Burrow's going to throw the ball a lot, especially if they get down. Um, you know, there there's certainly three weapons similar to what we have with Juju, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. Um, 
but yeah, I think that the Steelers win this game. I think that you know special teams is certainly going to play a role, and I think we can see a big return from Ray Ray McLeod. He is literally inches from just breaking one to the house. So um, I think that special teams makes an impact for the Steelers um, on, on both sides of the ball, whether it's Barry having a good game or Boswell making a lot of kicks, um, making you know career and franchise record kicks. Um, I, I think the Steelers win um, and. Fairly convincingly. I agree. I, I'm taking the Steelers too, mainly because I think the defense is going to step up here big. TJ Watt, Bud Dupree are going to have a big day against that Bengals offensive line, who and that Bengals offensive line is not really that good. So I expect TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, just, just, just the front, just the defensive line, just the defensive front, they're going to have a big game too. Mika may have another – may have another interception here. And who knows, maybe we'll see Joe Hayden too. But I do think that um, this game will probably be a lot closer than people think if Ben Roethlisberger does not play because I I just don't trust Mason Rudolph. I I really don't. I mean, uh, and a lot of Steeler fans don't just because of how kind of poorly he did last year. I mean, give or take. I mean, it was only his first year as a starter. But at the same time, he's for sure not the future of the Steelers. So if Big Ben does not play, uh, I don't really trust Mason to get the job done through the air. I do agree. Uh, they'll probably hand the ball off to Connor a lot, which they should do already. But I am hoping, holding out hope, and I'm hopeful that uh, Ben Roethlisberger will be able to play this weekend. And if Ben does play this weekend, expect to have another big day for him with uh through the air with Juju, Chase Claypool, Deontay, Eric Ebron. I, I think Ben will have a big day if he plays. And James Conner, we, we may see the reemergence of him, regardless of who's at quarterback, like, like we've said. So I'm definitely taking the Steelers as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a toss-up depending on what happens. But um, I do think the Steelers win this game. Um that's all we have for NFL news. In terms of the NHL, uh, more scheduling talks similar to what the NFL was with their playoff plans. Uh, the NHL is looking at potentially doing micro bubbles or and and or division realignment for the upcoming season, uh, which could start January first, February first, or never. Um, <laughs> they haven't really announced anything. The NBA moved quickly to get their season schedule uh, kind of announced and set as a start date, but the NHL is certainly evaluating things. Um, knowing that their buildings are indoors, similar to the NBA, but um, they knew that the bubble system worked. They made it through um, the whole expanded playoffs, play in rounds, anything uh, without a positive test over you know twenty thousand some tests. So um, I think that they're really striving to do the same thing. Uh, you know, they may not be able to avoid any um, throughout a season, but there's certainly uh, a lot more precautions taken because there's a lot of potential contraction um, in the NFL or not NFL, NHL, um, being in locker rooms are tiny, gear is definitely uh, sweaty, and there's a lot of things going on. So um, they're looking at potentially doing bubbles. They haven't announced really any cities yet, um, but they would probably do one or two per division, uh, meaning two to four per conference, um, which certainly wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, Nobody would really complain about it. Um, If there's no fans, if there are fans, there will be a ton of complaints. and it would be very difficult to manage, but uh, as more news comes out, we'll definitely uh, share that. So that's all on that news. Um, That'll be interesting to see. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they're going to make it work. Um, I obviously want the season to start. Um, I miss hockey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just well, – like you said last week, we could all use a little hockey in our lives. So, oh, absolutely, never, never hurts to have a little hockey, watch some people hit each other, uh, have some fun, <laughs> throw some fists. But more than anything, just the action, um, the way the game's played, and you know, taking it in, enjoying it. So, um, similar to football, it's just kind of a release. It's a way to kind of forget about stuff for three, four hours. So, um, yeah, that's that's all we have for for this episode here. Um, we want to thank you for for tuning in and. Uh, Um, we'll see you next week. Have a good week, guys.